time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life. There are certain things that, that, that the decades will tell you that the hours will never know, that the days will never know. There's something about serving God that the years will teach you what weeks and months will never know. And so all of us here, we've served the Lord and, and various ones, different journeys, you hear certain testimonies tonight. So I'm going to open us up in prayer and we're going to jump right into answering these questions. As you guys are uh, kind of a social networking, the hashtag for this is hashtag DSM elephants. And so if you have questions or statements or thoughts, just hit us up on social media, Instagram, Twitter, whatever. Um, so let's pray and then we'll jump right in. Everybody feel good tonight? All right, we'll see how you feel after this. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for your presence, for your, the power that is in the word of God. We pray tonight in the name of Jesus as your servants, God, and that you have chosen to speak into this generation. Father, we thank you for your grace to speak the word of the Lord. No matter what people think, no matter what experiences are, to speak the word of the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, may everyone leave here encouraged and empowered with your grace to live out this thing we call Christianity. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said? Amen. All right. So Octave, if you'll grab that microphone, we're going to jump right in. Question number one. It's on the screens. I'll be reading it for you guys. Why is sex so tempting? That's what <laughs> Besides that, why is it so tempting for everyone? Not just you. <laughs> We're getting it started. All right, here we go. Um, I, I think I'd have to say because it's what's hot. It's, it's everywhere. Everybody's talking about it. Mm -hmm. I'm sure when you go to class, work, um, not to mention TV, every commercial, every TV show, it's everywhere. And uh, even whenever you go to the movies, I don't think you can go to the movies uh, without seeing a G movie and there's something sexual in it. And not only that, is that in the movies, it's like the, the ultimate, the pinnacle. Um, it makes sex look like it's everything, and it's amazing every single time. And so that's what I think makes it so tempting. That's what makes people want to do it and want to know more about it. Yeah. And we'll just all kind of be jumping in back and forth, too. Song of Solomon says this. At Song of Solomon 8.4, Promise me, O women of Jerusalem, not to awaken love until the time is right. One of the reasons why sex is so tempting is that you're, you were created, uh, to, part of the function of why you're created, one of the gifts that God has given us, your body, the ability to have sex. The problem is, is whenever it is awakened. So in this verse, promise me, O women of Jerusalem, the principle is men, women of God, promise me not to awaken love until the time is right. The time, according to scripture, that is right and the only right time is after you are married. One man and one woman in a covenant relationship in marriage, in the sanctity of marriage. You guys have any more thoughts on why sex is so tempting? Yeah, I mean, I would just 
just as Pastor Brandon just said, uh, bottom line, it's tempting because sex, we, we were made sexual beings. And, we were, and, and here's the thing. We believe that oftentimes that sex, that sexuality, uh, that it's a right. But truthfully, it's a gift. Uh, it's something that the Lord has given to us. Uh, but here's the thing. It is not, we are to rule it, not it rule us. Yes. And so, uh, so it's a gift that the Lord rule over. So good. Very, very good. So that kind of answers why is it so tempting number two. And we're just going to go right in. And um, Alston, since it's legal to get married, can I be gay and a Christian since it's legal to get married? So let me address this firstly, the legal issue. If you guys were here last week for week one of DSM Elephants, um, we talked about this idea of submitting to the government and to authorities, right? We talked a lot about that in the context of substance abuse, alcohol, drugs, and why it's not okay for you to be drinking anything because you're under the age of 21. And then I gave you kind of some parameters. Here are the times whenever we say we don't, we're not going to engage even if the government says that it is right, even legally, and it's whenever there is a clear violation of the word of God. I want you guys to look at Romans chapter 1. If you're taking notes, if you're wise, you'll be taking some notes tonight. Romans chapter 1, starting at verse 25 through 28, it says, they traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. That is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires Even the women turned against the natural way to have sex and instead indulged in sex with each other. And the men, instead of having normal sexual relationship with with women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men. And as a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved. Since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their own foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done. The reason why we're covering this, 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 even this whole subject about even homosexuality, how many of you say you either know one person who claims to be homosexual or you may have a family member that is a homosexual practicing in their, you know, just kind of openly? Yeah, okay, look around, look around, look around. That's like 98.9372% of the people in this room. And here's the deal. If you don't know what the word of God says, and if you don't know what God has to speak, how can you speak truth and life over them as opposed to just saying, oh, this is great. We're all awesome together. There's no big deal. No, the word of God. So the first thing we've got to establish is this is a sin, no greater than heterosexual sexual immorality. It's a sin of sexual immorality. But it's no bigger, badder, greater, more grotesque than your friends. How many of you, let me ask you this question. How many of you have a friend who is engaging in sexual immorality, but they're straight, they're not gay? Either family members or friends. Raise your hands. Yeah, that you know of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 98.87653.2% of the room. But why do we find it so easy to relate to people who are in heterosexual sin yet so taboo, difficult, weird, ah, I don't know what to do, if it's homosexual. Sin is sin is sin. 
What are you guys? I want you guys to just kind of weigh in on this idea. Can you be gay and be a Christian since it's legal to get married? Amy? (laughs) (laughs) So I think that concerning this topic of homosexuality, we'll get into this a little bit later, but there are so many definitions and terms and so much confusion about this topic because at the core, it's about our identity. And when God fashioned us, what was his intent? And so can you be gay and be a Christian? Here's, here's what I think about that. I think that someone who is attracted to the same sex and engaging in romantic relationships Um, that is a sin, and that is not okay. Now, if you are finding yourself tempted in your attraction to the same sex, but you are fighting it and saying, Jesus, I want to love you, then absolutely. And so I think to define, if you are defining yourself as, and just writing it off and accepting Yes, I'm gay and I'm following Jesus. Okay, I think that that's a dichotomy. Um, But I think if you're saying this is a temptation and for whatever reason, my orientation doesn't feel normal (laughs) Um, from what the Bible describes in Romans 1, but I'm saying, Jesus, I'm submitting this area of my life to you and I want to love you and I want to follow you and would you uh, redeem this, this part of me? Um, then absolutely, absolutely. So. Very good. So, and here's the deal. This is what we have to remember to you guys is heterosexuality is not the opposite of homosexuality. <laughs> like the solution for your homosexual friends isn't to magically, uh, uh, well, gosh, I wish they just start liking like the opposite. No, 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 no. There's a much deeper issue that the Lord wants to heal, that the Lord wants to redeem and restore on the inside of them. Let me give you one other verse. It won't be on the screen, but why don't you jot this verse down? 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or who commit adultery or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality, or are thieves, or greedy people, or drunkards, or are abused, abusive, or cheat people. None of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Some of you were once like that, but you were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. We like to just kind of lift up the homosexual thing, but what about, what about, what about greedy people, drunkards, abusive, cheats, and, and all of these things, idol worshipers, and any other form of sexual sin? Your Bible and my Bible say, you shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And the beautiful part, what I see Paul saying is, some of you were once all of these. Some of you were homosexual. Some of you were in sexual immorality. Some of you were greedy before, but now you called in the name of the Lord Jesus, and God has made you holy, which tells me that God can deliver us from any sin, any addiction, any inward feeling. God can deliver and set free. 
Amen? Amen. So, we'll, so that kind of takes us to our next question along this. And we'll, there are several questions about this idea about homosexuality and, and all of that. So question number three, and Pastor Dan will start this one for us. How do we as Christians act around homosexuals? That's what somebody wrote. How do we as Christians, how are we supposed to act around uh, those who are open homosexuals? I think first, as we talk tonight, as I think of who's in the room, uh, I would say, and there's, there's maybe more than this, but I would say there's three people in the room tonight. There's those of you that as we talk about these things, you are in it. You are dealing with these things. These are, this is part of your life. Um, then there's another category that maybe this isn't something that you are living or tempted with, um, but you've kind of written off as, hey, look, everybody's okay, and, and I'm, I'm the kind of Christian that's just going to accept everything, and you do you, I'll do me. And then there's another extreme that says, here's what I know, and I'm going to use the Bible to wound you, and I'm going to say, I, I want them to give me ammunition tonight so I can tell people, put them in their place. So, so there's, there's a large dichotomy of, of, of who's here tonight. Um, and so as we even talk about these, we'll be talking to different categories at different times. This question to me is, is probably being asked mostly by that third category. Uh, how, do we res- how do we act around people uh, that are homosexual? And... Uh, it's an important question to talk about, although there's, uh, it's unfortunate that we have to because Jesus, when he was asked, what is the most important thing? What is the greatest commandment? He said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind and all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. He didn't say, and love your straight neighbor as yourself. <laughs> he said, love your neighbor. And so how are we supposed to act? We're supposed to love them, yeah. love them. Love them, love them some more. That's what Jesus commands us to do. And so I think, Pastor Brandon talked about this, it's easy to kind of think, oh, there's like some kind of pet sins and then really big sins. And so people that struggle with the big ones, ooh, that's really, but here's the deal. We are not to treat our friends that are living a homosexual lifestyle, we are not to treat them any different than our friends that are sleeping with their girlfriend or sleeping with their boyfriend or your friend that's lying or your friend that's cheating. We're supposed to love them. Now, that doesn't mean that we condone their lifestyle. That doesn't mean we condone their actions. It means we love them. We have a passion for their highest good. Uh, And so that's, to me, that's the real simple answer. So how are we supposed to act around them? Love them. And how do you want people to love you? And, and, And then look at them and try to love them. Yeah, very good. Anybody else have anything to add to that? Yeah, I just want to say we're missing it on this. We are. And... And I am grieved that those of you who are, you're really wrestling with this right now. And there is so much shame and so much confusion. And you're just looking, will someone just love me? Um, And the church, we're missing it on this. And so what's happening is that Christians and those who are struggling with homosexuality, we're getting further and further apart. And whose, whose fault is that? That's not theirs. That's ours. And so I just want to call us tonight. In this is not ammunition. This is education and awareness. Because yeah. it's our time to rise up and say, I want to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Yeah. What would he do? He came and loved the least of these. He came and washed their feet. And that is who we are called to be. Yeah. And so we are not saying justifying 
the sin. No, we're saying we don't get it. We, We don't. Those of you who are like, I'm straight, I've never struggled with this, I don't get it. But that doesn't give us permission to just not care and that we're not supposed to love. No, 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 no. We are called to love. And so I just want us from this whole conversation, this is a commissioning. (laughs) This is you're you're now being called and you now have responsibility in what you're going to do with it. And so tonight, let's love. Even though we don't get it, let's love. So good. So good, Amy. Colossians 4, 5, and 6. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. This is our charge from the Word of God. These are our marching orders, you guys. And so with the idea to Pastor Amy's point, you know, there's something about even the conversation. And again, we're spending a few minutes here because it's so prevalent in our culture and our culture and the media and MTV and BET and CMT and NBC and ABC has so much to say about the homosexual, uh, about, and, and about how Christians judge or shame anyone. But to speak truth, yes, this is a sin, just like any other sin. But at the same time, we treat those who are struggling with these ideas and the whole conversation, which some of the questions kind of touched on as well. You know, nobody gets to pick what sin they inherently struggle with many times. So think of that in the lens of, all right, who, like, who gave the, I don't know, I don't know, who, no, 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 you didn't get to pick, oh, which sin am I going to, like, get to struggle with? <laughs> like, what's going to be like my, you know what I'm saying? And so the whole idea is speaking the truth in love, showing the love of God, being the hands and the feet of Jesus. And again, to the point of legal marriage, well, if they legalize murder, would you go and murder somebody? No, you know, we're, absolutely not. You see what I'm saying? And so we're governed by the laws and the precepts and the statutes of the kingdom of God. Firstly, we are kingdom citizens. We're in a new kingdom. Amen? Amen. So one, which kind of segues into our next question, Pastor Amy is going to start us off answering this is, what are your thoughts on transgender and our bisexual activity or the bisexual person? What are you just give us thoughts on transgender slash bisexual? The, okay, I'm a man. I have certain responsibilities. I'm a woman. I have certain responsibilities and roles. And, and sometimes that can be frustrating. And um, so in the course of just me kind of studying and reading, I, I read this one quote. And basically it was explaining that when, when the father, when your heavenly father was forming you and he looked at, so me. And he said, okay, who is Amy going to be? And what body is going to best facilitate and empower that expression? I'm going to put her into a woman. Come on. I'm going to put you, whoever you are, you into a man. So he created your spirit first. Right. And then he put you into the body that you are in. to enable and empower that expression. And so let that liberate you, not limit you. Um, So So good. And that's scriptural, you guys. Before you were in your mother's womb, God said to Jeremiah, 
I knew you. Yes. So before you had a gender, a body, a body parts, I knew you, the spirit of who you were. And then I called you forth. I think that is so powerful how God put us in a body that will best empower us to fulfill whatever he has called us to do. And I think, Pastor Amy, just right on the, on the hit, let it liberate you. God didn't make any mistakes. The gender that you are, God did it on purpose. The body type that he gave you, it was on purpose and it was with purpose. And to try to alter, change, or desecrate that is a slap in the face of God. And it's a statement to him that says, I know better than you what I need to accomplish my mission on earth. That's what we're saying. Those of you who may feel, somebody in this room may feel like, I feel like I am in a body that I am not. Yeah. And our invitation to you would be, we love you and we want to talk with you and we want to walk with you and we want to help you. There, there is not a clear cut and dry bisexual, transsexual. There's so many different, pansexual, all, so many different terms. And we just want to make ourselves available that we want to love you and serve you and help you as you are, if any of you are wrestling with that. One more thing before we just kind of transition is dealing with this idea of, um, and we can't talk about homosexuality without talking specifically sometimes with guys, just um, the effeminate nature, maybe, or a guy who's uh, maybe, as we would say, kind of acts really, really girly or acts really feminine, and vice versa, a girl who, asks, who, who acts um, in masculine kind of uh, what we would, our culture, what society would say, gosh, she acts like a boy, he acts like a girl. I think it is so important that we, you, whether you are a Christian or not, to realize that the word of God says that life and death is in the power of the tongue. And I have seen more teenagers, more young adults in this generation um, attach a certain, well, I'm like, I'm gay or I'm bisexual because I had an attraction to a guy or because I had an attraction to a girl or because I act just like the girls and you're a guy or I act like guys and I'm a girl or I relate more with girls and you're a guy or I relate more with guys and you're a girl. It is so essential that we do not begin to speak identities over people based on even their, the, the way that they act. You know, everybody has a story. Everybody has a background. Everybody has a way, even psychologically, the way that they behave and gesticulations and, 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 uh, and certain gestures based upon maybe who raised them or who they spent a lot of time with as a child. It is so essential that you guys, especially as Christ followers, don't assign a sexuality to someone just because maybe the guy doesn't act as masculine as you and all the guys in your family. And the same thing with you young ladies. Maybe she doesn't act as feminine. Maybe she doesn't like to, you know, cut flips and wear pink and whatever. And, and so we quick, oh, she must be gay. Oh, this is, no, 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 no. In doing so, you partner with the purposes of hell to perpetuate confusion in the life of that person that you are called to love 
and speak the truth of God over their lives. Does that make sense to you? I was recently with a, with a young man and super effeminate. And immediately, the first thing I did, I grabbed him, gave him a big hug. Man, I'm so glad, I'm so glad to see you. I love you. The same as I would a football player who walked in here. The same as I would a super masculine guy who walked into the room or walked into my presence. Don't treat them any differently. To Pastor Dan's point, we love, we love, and then when we're done doing that, we love some more. Does that make sense? Cool. And Anything I just, else on that? just to add to that, I mean, everything Pastor Brandon just said, uh, and just to highlight, as well as the words you speak over yourself. And so what we speak over other people is, is so important, but the words that you speak over yourself. And so, when, and, and that's what's hard is maybe you've heard other people say things, maybe when you were a kid or whatnot. And so you start to speak them over yourself and it's, it's everything about the same idea. And so I just want to warn against that. Be careful the words you speak over yourself. Speak yes. the truth of God, speak the promises of God over yourself. Speak into you belief of who God has made you to be. Um, and so just as we want to guard our, our words on what we speak over other people, the same is the words that you believe and that you speak over yourself. Amen. Amen. Is this helping anybody tonight? Is this stuff making sense to you guys? Come on. Number five, your questions. How do you overcome pornography and other sexual addictions, including pleasuring yourself? If it's an addiction, how do you how do you overcome these things? I'll start this one by defining addiction because I think we're easy to slap that title, that kind of addiction means the state of being enslaved to a habit or a practice or to something that is psychologically or physically habit forming as narcotics to such an extent that its cessation causes severe trauma. That's addiction, a definition. So not, this isn't to justify anything or anyone or any behaviors. It's just to kind of clearly point out, because again, we can get a label. I looked at porn, you know, five months ago, I'm addicted to porn. You're not addicted to porn. You, you, had, you had a sinful moment. It's still sin, right? Um, or I looked at it last month and, you know, four weeks later, I've been praying and gosh, I fell again. That's not an addiction. That's a habit. Habits can be broken. Addictions can be broken, but we're dealing with two different things. I want Pastor Dan to kind of talk a little bit more about these ideas of a habit versus addiction and give us some, some statistics as well. Yeah, I think first of all, just even going off that idea of uh, an addiction and the idea that, that uh, it causes physical harm to stop doing it. Uh, the, even the idea of sexual addiction often is defined as when you get, when there's punishment or there is repercussion or there's negative things that happen to you and you still can't stop. Um, and so when, when, and so that's where you see marriages falling apart because one of them is, is in an addiction and the spouse is broken and they keep, it's causing tension in the marriage and the, uh, the other one just can't stop. And in, in terms of an addiction, I would really say, please get, find professional help. Talk to someone that can help you, that, a counselor, someone that can walk through that with you. And, yeah. and that is a first step. That's a good step in addiction. I think the, the majority that deal with, uh, with pornography, with sexual uh, habits, which by the way, this is not a, an issue for just for guys. 
This is not something that just guys deal with. And, and so ladies, this is your turn to tune out. This is prevalent in, in, in men and in women and in, in young men and young women. And so uh, it is a huge thing for all of us to talk about and to, to work on. And so here's the thing. The way the mind works uh, is that there, this is, all comes down to our thought life. Uh, and, and the way we think dictates how we live. And so what happens is there is something that triggers your thoughts. There's something that, that happens and it triggers a thought progression in your mind. And, and, and so this is a habit, is that there's a trigger, there's something that happens and that leads to an action. You do something and you do that thing, you do that act in order to get a reward, in order to get a feeling of some kind. Okay, so does everybody see the progression? There's the trigger that leads to the act, that leads to the feeling, okay? Now here's the thing, at the way the mind works, you will always have triggers. There will always be things that trigger you to do something. Right. But you can change the act by changing the reward. And so it's important that we start to say, okay. And so even in, in some of this, and guys, this is just so important that your motivation in all of this is huge. And that you own, this is where we're really starting to get into talking about purity and we're talking about holiness and we're talking about the important that you own this for yourself. Honestly, if, if it's not a personal conviction, uh, then this will be really difficult. If it's because of what someone else has told you or what someone else thinks, uh, then, then you're gonna, it, it either will send you into a form of legalism or yeah. perpetual uh, failure where you're like, sin, hate it, try to quit, sin, hate it, try to, you know, all that. So, yeah. so we, wanna, we wanna say, what is the greater feeling? What is the greater reward than, the, than that which I was experiencing through my habit? And that's, and how can I get that? And how can I use the trigger to get there? Uh, you know, when, when, when a lustful thought comes in my mind or when something happens that triggers me, instead of going to my old norms, what can I do instead? And, and at first it's a choice. And over time, as you choose to do that, with, with the emotion, with the feeling, it actually becomes that you have a good habit. Yeah. So 2 Timothy 2.22 says this. So again, this is it's, it's the, in our mind, okay? So run from things that stimulate youthful lust. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. There, there's a few things in here, but again, the, our thought life is where this all starts. Yeah. And so... That means it matters, what Miss Octavia said, what, what movies you watch matter. What music you listen to matters. What conversations you have matters. Because all of those things are triggers. All those things start the process. All those yeah. things start thoughts in our mind. So if I was to look at this verse, there, there are a few things. Number one is we want to run from sexual immorality. We want to flee from it. We want to, we want to get the heck out of Dodge. We want, to, we want to, like Joseph ran, you know, like from Potiphar's wife. We want to flee from it. Yeah. Then we want to run to godliness. We want to run to these things that, that in the scripture here where it says righteous living and faithfulness and love and peace. And then the last one is that you run with other people. You don't do it on your own. You don't try to just, in, in my own strength, I'm gonna do this. But you find comrades that are, that are gonna stand with you and go through this with you. Amen. I want Pastor Amy just to come in and then we'll move on really, really quick. The idea of it's the big M word, it's masturbation, it's whatever. It's, it's real thing. And we want to speak from the word of God and then help to give you principles. Because look, we can all put on our nice little smiling faces. 
But we have real conversations. I have real conversations with so many of you in this room, and I'm, it's my high honor to do so. Um, I want Pastor Amy to comment on what, what's the problem with sexually just pleasuring yourself yeah. and issues with that. Yeah, I think two things. One, uh, the argument that, oh, it's healthy. <laughs> like, that is what, I mean, magazine rack, you know, all the magazines, like, that's what they say. <laughs> it's going to help your marriage in the future, um, and it's healthy. Um, and then I think what creeps into Christian argument, too, is that I can do this and not lust. And I just want to combat that and say I think that that's nearly impossible. So um, yeah. lust is involved. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Second thing um, is that it's the ultimate form of selfishness. It's the ultimate form of selfishness. And so, um, so lust, selfishness. I think that kind of negates Very good. the argument. Here's a quick quote for you. What we allow or forbid at our eye gate determines the conditions under which we fight for sexual consecration. It's Bob Sorge. What we allow or forbid at our eye gate, what we see, will determine the conditions under which we fight for sexual consecration. Number six, what do you think of high school, relationships, and dating? Do you think it's awesome? Do you think it's awful? Do you think it's no big deal? Do you think it's sinful? Do you think everybody should be in a dating relationship in high school? I'll, I'll start this one. I'll turn it over to Pastor Amy. Then we'll press on because we've got a few more questions we want, to, uh, we want to get to tonight. And so here's the deal. Here's where, where I said at the beginning of the series, there's no verse that says at age 23, you are to start the season of dating, and the touch of God is going to be on your life. Or at age 11, you should begin dating, and the blessing of God is going to fall. Yeah, it's funny, because when we assign extreme ages, but then, you see how culturally, but whenever, at the age of 16, the Word of God says, you are wise enough, you are mature enough in the things of God to begin to enter into a covenant, a partnership, a divine kind of friendship on fire with the opposite sex. There's no verse. So here's the deal. We'll speak from experience and based on what we've seen on the, in the Word of God. But then also, in addition to that, kind of holistically, years of youth and young adult ministry on the stage, decades. And so here we go. High school, whenever I gave my life to the Lord, I was about 15 years old. Was radically saved, radically started pursuing Jesus. Many of you heard my testimony before. And there was just this thing in me that the Lord, I just felt like, I don't want to give my attention and the affections of my heart, I really do want to know you. And I'm on this journey. I'm young in this journey. I was 15. And so I just said, you know what? More than likely, this relationship, relationships, it's probably not going to last. It takes time. It takes energy. It takes effort. It takes money. It takes dating. It's, if it's a real, you know. And so I just said, I, for me, I'm going to wait until I'm in college. I'm going to wait until I graduate. Um, there's nothing burning. There was, at 15, there was something burning in me saying, I need to have someone else. And we know whenever there is a need to have someone else, whenever you need to date, you're not ready to date. If you need to date, you are so not ready. And what happens whenever you, get, whenever you enter that season prematurely is unnecessary pain and heartache over and over and over again. 
And those who have kind of gone through their teenage years, they will, they will tell you. And so I love saying this quote because teenagers for like for years now, just kind of look at me, kind of roll their eyes, whatever, I don't care. Um, so, so 99.999% of you who are in dating relationships in high school, 99.999% of those relationships will not last. I know. I'm so offended. Well, be offended. I don't know. I love you. You're amazing. You know, but the, and so knowing, so knowing, hey, I'm not going to throw my whole life into this. Pastor Amy, talk. <laughs> so uh, I guess just testimony, uh, 13 years old, heard this sermon about tithing your teen years and the concept of, you know, 70 years you live, seven, you know, 10% of that is seven years. And so from 13 to 20, I'm going to give the Lord this season of my life. And so for me, that looked like I didn't, I didn't date in high school. Now, that didn't mean that, like, if I went to the dance or whatever, I didn't, like, have a date. But I didn't yeah, have a boyfriend. Um, and so, but I just want to tell you also, like, it's selfish. <laughs> if you know 99.9%, this ain't going to last you know, hey, will you go out with me? This isn't going to last. So, okay, so this is just for you? Yeah, pretty much. So, um, so that's why two selfish people find each other. So that just doesn't sound healthy um, or godly. Um, so I just would say find yourself, have fun, and lead strong. There is so much the Lord has in store for you in your high school years besides messing around and getting heartbroken. Um, so... Yeah, I just, just to add to that, I mean, these years you have are so huge. They're so valuable. Yeah. And, and it is such a, I know it's so easy for us to say now because we're all married, right? But it is such a waste of your time. You will look back and you'll be like, I wasted so much time with her or with him when I could have been with these friends. I could have been doing, I, I, I could have been reaching my school for Jesus. I, there's so many other things yeah. that this season is so huge. And, and just what Amy said, I mean, it is, it is selfish because my dad, when, when I was in high school, wanted to date, he had this incredibly deep idea where he said, Dan, when you date, you are either going to get married or break up. Those are the two options. There's no in between. And I was like, oh, you're so right. And when you think about it, that's it. So those of you dating someone in this room, you're either going to get married or you're going to break up. And if you ain't ready to get married in the next nine to 12 months, then you should break up. And so if you don't want to get married at 17, then, then guess what? You can give it some time, find out more as you as a person mature, then you'll be ready to date. And, and it's what both of them said is when two whole people can come together and date, then that's healthiness. Because until that part, until that point, you have two halves coming together, trying to form some whole whenever God, in God's economy, two whole people, one whole person and one whole person equals one whole person (laughs) in God's economy and in the kingdom of God. That being said, and again, this is not scripture. You will not burn if you have a, a dating relationship in high school unless you're all wrapped up in sexual addiction. Hell is hot and sexual addiction and sexual immorality is real and it will be judged accordingly, okay? So um, as that little disclaimer, I know, and some of you, it's the philosophy of your parents. You're, I have a boyfriend. You need a boyfriend. You need a, God bless them, whatever. So, so, so for those of you who are, Okay, we're not going to make the assumption that everybody adheres to this philosophy. Here's some thoughts that we wanted to give you. Octavia, what is the importance of boundaries in dating and friendships? If you are, if you say, I just feel the Lord gave me a dream and I need to be this person, or whatever. 
And if they are engaging in dating relationships, uh, what's the importance of boundaries? Why is it a big deal? So we did a series called Guardrails, and I think until we moved (laughs) to Colorado, Uh, I don't think I understood the importance of guardrails until I went around some of these mountains and felt like I was going (laughs) to fall over, and I just have to close my eyes when Pastor Brandon is flying around the corners. Um, But just seeing that, If you don't have a guardrail, you can slip over the edge before you know it. And so having guardrails, placing boundaries keeps you back a little bit further. And so it's extremely important. And guardrails, I've learned, are for your own protection. And so whenever you set up boundaries, they're not just for the other person, but they are to protect you as well. And um, so we need guardrails in friendships, in dating relationships. They're so important. Uh, Proverbs 423 says that to guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. And so you want to make sure that when you're, you are in a dating relationship, okay, what does that look like? How do I guard my heart? I'm spending time in the Word. I know what the Word says, who I need to be welcoming. And also, they talked about accountability, and that's so important because you may say, oh, I think that this is a great boundary, but if you have accountability, they say, oh, no, no, that's too close to the edge. You need to back that guardrail up a little bit more and, and those things so that they can um, keep you from falling over the edge. It's so good, so good. How to control emotions when making guy and girlfriends and just be friends. Yeah, because it's important that we realize, and I think we were kind of discussing this before, just knowing that God has given you the gift of attraction. And so if you're attracted to the opposite sex, just knowing that even if you're not attracted to them, just having boundaries and, and borders in place, what if they're attracted to you and you're totally not? And, and all of us, kind of, a lot of us have kind of been in those seasons before. So obviously exercising wisdom on that front. I want to jump here because we're about to run out of time. Some more relevant questions. Eight is it okay to have sex before marriage, even if you are in love and you feel like you won't regret it? On Pastor Dan to answer this in like 90 seconds. Yeah, first off, feeling like you won't regret it is a cute idea. Um, <laughs> here's real simple. Um, marriage uh, and sex within marriage is a covenant. It's between two people. And Jesus talks about the two becoming one. Uh, in this and that you will leave your family and the two will become one and what God brings together let no man separate and what it is is that it's actually a picture of the relationship between God and his people and so uh, and, and sex is that covenant sex is what brings us together and so when you have sex outside of marriage before marriage even if you're in love you are covenanting, you are joining with other people. Um, and biblically, it is as if you are becoming one with them, yes. but then you become one with someone else and you become one with someone else. Uh, and that's not the way we were made to be. We were made to have a covenant relationship, one man, one woman, uh, as a model unto the relationship that we have with the Lord. We don't have lots of gods, we have one God. Uh, and so that is even the picture of the beauty of what marriage is. Marriage is mostly, let me, let me pop some balloons here. Marriage is mostly about your holiness, not your happiness. Uh, and it's as we grow into relationship with God, it's that picture and, our, and it is growing in that. Um, and so the other thing really quick that I would just say is if you cannot control yourself sexually outside of marriage, what gives you any idea that so you will be true. able to control yourself inside of marriage? So good. And so if you can't only sleep, That's if you can't true. not have sex before marriage, then you are more likely to have, to have an affair, to cheat on your wife, to, to cheat on your husband, to be sexually active in other ways. So if you can't have self-control before, you won't after either.
Just to add to that, Pastor Dan said that it's like you're becoming one with that person, and you may think, oh, that's amazing because I love him or I love her, and so great, we're going to be one. But just remember that whenever you do break up, that person is keeping parts of you and you're keeping parts of them. And so you don't, so you don't walk away as a whole person as you came into that relationship, but you walk away broken. And sometimes it's really hard to get those pieces back. Yes. So good. Uh, next question. Is it okay to date non-Christians? Are you ready? <laughs> you're like, but all my friends no. are doing it. <laughs> um, no. Um, no. Okay, 2 Corinthians 6.14. Don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? We're no missionary dating friends. He's my greatest comrade and me loving Jesus and pushing me towards Jesus. That's what marriage is supposed to be. That's what dating is supposed to be too. So if you, when you date and it's the right time, they're supposed to draw you closer to following him. Um, and so I would say no. Yeah. And everybody, you need to write down that verse because you'll be, uh, it's 2, Tim, 2 Corinthians six fourteen. In another translation says, do not be unequally yoked. Everybody say yoked. Interesting word there in the Greek, it means to be wrongly or poorly matched in an association. To be mismatched, to be wrongly matched, it's often necessary to indicate somewhat more precisely the manner in which one may be wrongly matched with others. Accordingly, one can translate, do not attempt to work together with those who are unbeliever. Do not become partners with those who do not believe. In a relational context, what we're saying is whenever uh, animals were yoked together, whenever you're yoked to an unbeliever, it's like you're running forward and they're running backwards and you go nowhere. And when you go nowhere in your relationship with Jesus, you're actually losing ground if you're not pressing forward in every season of your life. Does that make sense, everybody? All right. Missionary Dayton is not of God. And then I hear in my spirit well, but Pastor Brandon, I got saved because little Lucy came up to me <laughs> and, you know, told me how awesome I was and we started dating. Okay, that deferred to last week's message. Your experience does not supersede the word of God. Just because God in his rich grace and mercy, I've done a billion things wrong in my life and God's grace covered it and there was good that came out of it. That cannot become my standard. My standard is what the word of God says. All right. All right. Final question here. And I want just Ronnie to come and we're going to get, get ready. Just close in prayer tonight. So Ronnie, if you can just come and hop on the keys for me real quick and we'll kind of close corporately, um, corporately in prayer. And you guys are good to leave the stage as is. You're amazing. We'll end a little bit differently tonight because we really wanted to get to your questions. You asked phenomenal questions, you guys. Last question of the night. And I think it's the most relevant one. What does it take to stay pure, and how do you deal with lustful thoughts? What does it take to stay pure, and how do you deal with it? First of all, you've got to remember this. I say this a lot. I'll say it again. If you cannot see it, you won't believe it. If you cannot, in your own eye, in, your, in, the, in the vision of your own heart, if you cannot see it, it's dang near impossible for you to believe it. And what I mean by that is a vision of yourself walking in purity. We'll talk a lot about this during our purity series in 2016. But 
Purity to the world is a depreciating commodity. It loses its value. In the kingdom of God, it's an upside down, inside out, flip side, you know, flip upside down kingdom. So, so to the world, purity depreciates over time. In the kingdom, purity appreciates. It grows in value. The longer you walk with your sexual purity intact, the more value it carries in the spirit, the more value it carries in the kingdom of God. James 1, 14 and 15, temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. You guys, the fight of purity is so real. Samuel's call, all the Samuel's call students this semester were at my house last night. They will tell you, I was texting in the middle of my teaching because there's a guy that I am reaching out to right now who is a full-blown sexual sex addict. And when I say addiction, I mean in the strongest way. I, I'm his accountability partner with him. I got like 15 violations, like, and I'm in the middle of teaching Samuel's call last night and my heart is breaking. Then he texts me and says, I just have to do this. I have to do this. I have to go out and have this random sexual encounter. He did not start that way. I've had conversations with him face to face. He said, I don't, and whenever I was younger, I just, I just kind of delved into this world. I just kind of jumped in and I never imagined. And here's the thing, he's not even a Christ follower, but he came to our church one day. He doesn't go to church. He came into our church one day, just on a weekday and said, this is ruining my life. Here's my laptop. Do something with it. You've got to help me. My life is being destroyed and I'm on the verge of losing everything if this were exposed, if this got out. He is in, as intelligent as they come. He is smart. He is good looking. He is in his 20s. He's intelligent. He's got a thousand different things going for him. Yet he is resulting to prostitutes multiple times throughout the week. My point is, it didn't start that way. Because the enemy never tells you the end of the road. That's why wisdom has to say, where is this going to take me? Where am I going to be if I continue down this road in five years? Where am I going to be? And who am I going to be? This is real. I want Pastor Dan to give us, kind of made this acronym. And I want every single one of you to write it down, text it to yourselves. I also want every guy and girl in this room to write down this website. It's www www.triplexchurch.com It sounds weird, but it's legit. So xxxchurch.com It's a free filter. You are foolish, arrogant, and so the opposite of wise. If you don't have some type of filter on your computer, your smartphone, your iPad, you are insane. If you think, oh, I'm just... <laughs> I would never fall into sexual... <laughs> You're a fool. God's called you higher. God calls you into wisdom. Wisdom says, you know what? I want boundaries. The more boundaries I have, the more likely I am to be successful and prosper in the things that God has called me to do and the things that God has called me to be. Feel the heart of a youth pastor <laughs> tonight. I am angry at the devil for enslaving so many people in this area. And we want you to walk in freedom. So would you share with them this really cool, and it'll be up on the screens for you too. You want to jot this down. Just kind of a plan to flee sexual temptation. And we'll pray and dismiss.
as we talk through all this tonight, I mean, there's so many different topics, so many different things, but we want you to leave with, with a game plan, with, to leave with how can I tomorrow when I'm, when I'm at school or when I'm, when I'm with my friends. And so this is just real simple, hopefully it can be kind of sticky. So to, to walk in purity, you gotta get happy, all right? So the acronym is HAPPY, so it starts with H. And the first one is HONEST. You gotta be honest. And, and first of all, you have to be honest with yourself. There's so often that we belittle our, our sin. We belittle our temptations. We belittle whatever. And we say, oh, it wasn't that big of a deal. Oh, I'll never do it again. Oh, uh, I can overcome this. And, so, and, and we aren't honest with ourselves. So you gotta start by being honest with yourself and being willing to be honest with other people and honestly saying, I don't want this and I've got to do something about it. So the second one is to get accountability. Accountability is the secret to your success. It is, it is getting people that will, that will walk with you, not people that will, that, that, oh, you're gonna be my accountability and we both struggle with the same thing. And so realistically, you're- That's the you're, worst idea. Yeah, you, you, you try to find someone that, oh, we both wanna do better in this, so let's keep each other accountable. And what you end up doing is you, you validate each other. So find someone that hates it more than you and doesn't struggle with it and say, help me, help me. And listen to them yes. and let them ask you questions and let them talk to you. And it's gonna be uncomfortable. You're not gonna like it all the time, but get accountability. And then the first P is to pray. And Romans 13, 14 says, instead clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't let yourself think about the ways to indulge your evil desires. When we gaze on Jesus, when we think on him, when we're having conversation with him, it's often hard to sin when I'm talking to Jesus. If we will pray, when we gaze, and when, when we put our, when I say gaze, when we put our focus, when we put our attention on who he is, the presence of God. So oftentimes when we give in to sexual immorality, it is because we have improper motivation because we don't understand the greater pleasures that are available through Jesus. So when I say pray here, I do mean pray for strength. I do mean pray for deliverance. I do, but I mean pray for relationship, pray to have conversation, pray that you would know him, that you would know the one that offers far more than what this world can offer. Yes. The second P is to get practical. Have practical plans, kind of the pre-decision decisions or have the firewalls, have the things in your life that you're set up. Okay, hey, look, I know when I hang out with these people, uh, I do this, this, and this. Therefore, though it's hard, I cannot do that anymore. I know when I listen to this song, when I watch this thing, when I have this conversation. So when I, when I open my computer after 10 p.m., whatever it is, what are those things that are coming? And say, I'm gonna set up decisions now. I'm gonna be practical to set so that I don't even put myself in position. Yeah. I'm not alone with her in a room. I don't, you know, I, I, when we get home, I, I drop her off and she walks, I don't go into, you know, into her room. I don't go in, uh, no, I'm going to set up practical things that I won't go there. And then the last one is to yield. That's simply the idea of yielding to the grace of God. Yeah. Hebrews 4.16, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Grace, God's divine empowerment, that you would live with strength, that you would live with purity. God's grace to you, yes. but we gotta yield to it. We have to approach his throne and say yes to it. So submit to him and say, Jesus, today, help me, give me grace. Give me grace again for today. In every moment, I say yes to you and all you have. 
So again, I, I know that that's just maybe real simple, but it's just this idea, just to, just to remember the word, happy. But I'm gonna be honest, I'm gonna get accountability, I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna have a practical plan and I'm gonna yield to the grace of God in order that I can walk in purity. Amen. Hey, did you guys enjoy that tonight? That answers some questions and give you some, even just things to think about. I want you to stand to your feet tonight and I know we went a little bit late. It's a lot to cover, a lot to really get to. Tonight, before you start chatting with your neighbor, what we highly encourage you to do, you guys. Next week, we'll be in week three of DSM Elephants, and then we'll be on Thanksgiving break, and then we'll, then we'll have cadres. And, and look, you guys, we were able to cover a lot of these things on a surface issue, and, and certain things we kind of, or we're waiting because we have a series that's coming up, and we're going to cover more of these things, especially sexual purity. The big idea... You guys, we have amazing home team leaders, DLA leaders, volunteers who want to help you be victorious in this area of your life. The common thread that you heard tonight is, hey, don't do it alone. You can win. You can overcome. There is a way out. We love you. We love you. We love you. No matter what you're struggling with, no matter what you've done, no matter what you've been, no matter what you're doing, you are loved. as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom i'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart they've got passion for god they're leading intercession on their schools they're set apart consecrated under god and they've got a vision and a mission for their life